0: as uh, as elders every year we pray together and just ask the lord lord as as a body as a church what would you have us to really focus on in the year to come and and so for last year we felt the lord was saying just to really kind of focus in on unity and prayer and the word and we just feel like the lord's continuing us in that season just to say listen as as god's people let's Just be men and women who are committed to unity in the gospel, to unity in the spirit. The the scripture says that they will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. And so, Lord, would you knit our hearts together? And for we think it's something that matters a lot. And then, as as Dan uh, brought us last week, we want to be men and women who uh, passionately pursue God. And speaking to Him and hearing Him speak in prayer. And then lastly, as we find ourselves this morning, we want to be men and women of the Word. Men and women uh, who uh, are are compassionate uh, with others with the Word and passionate with God and ourselves about the Word. And so we're going to spend just a few moments together looking at what the Bible has to say about itself. Uh, some interesting facts uh, for you about the Bible. Uh, the Bible was written over a time span of about 500 years. Now, the Bible covers much more than that. The Bible covers about 10,000 years, literally, of uh, time span since creation. But the Bible itself was written by many authors, uh, human authors, that is, over about 500 years. The Bible was written in three languages, uh, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Uh, The Bible was written on three continents. It was written in Israel, which at that time, and still to a point, is considered Asia. Uh, Part of uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah wrote in Africa, in Ethiopia. So part of the Bible was written in Africa. And then part of the Bible was written in Europe, as Paul wrote his letters. So three continents uh, the Bible was written on. Uh, The Bible is the best-selling book of all time, uh, Guinness, Uh, not as in the beer, but as in the world records, uh, might be the same people, uh, estimate that since the first printing uh, of the Bible, there have been around 5 trillion Bibles printed, sold, and distributed on the planet Earth. About 5 trillion Bibles, and that would be since about the late 1500s. The Bible is estimated uh, to be the best-selling book year after year. And I found this interesting. The Bible is estimated also to be the most stolen book of all times. Uh, uh, it, is taken from, uh, it is taken from hospital rooms... And uh, hotels every day, and we say, praise the Lord. If they read it, they'll get to the Ten Commandments eventually, amen? And, uh, and, and the Lord will forgive them. I just thought that was interesting. It's the best-selling book and the most stolen book. Uh, if you're going to steal something, steal the Bible. Um, I mean, no, that came out wrong. Like, don't, don't steal anything, but let's go to the next point, right? Um, okay, so um, as of... Uh, and this is according to Whitcliffe Bible Translators. Um, as of September 2023, so just a couple of months ago, this is their most current estimate, the Bible has been translated into 736 languages. 736 languages. Um, however, uh, one in five people worldwide do not have the Bible translated in their language. So we're now over 7 billion people on the planet Earth, and out of 7 billion people One out of five still do not have the entire Bible in their language. It's about 1,300 languages the Bible has not been translated in yet. And so there is still work to be done. And here's what we know about the Bible. It is the only book in the world which explains what men and women must do to be saved. It's the only book in the world which tells humanity God's plans and purposes for his creation. Amen. It's only found in this book. And so uh, I want to invite you to open the book uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And if, uh, if you have uh, one of the, the Blue Church Bibles, uh, that's page 1196. Page 1196. And we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, and we're going to look at words of life, the Bible. Words of life, the Bible. So we're in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we're going to begin... At verse 14 2 timothy chapter 3 beginning in verse 14 and let me remind us of uh, of the context so uh you have a man by the name of paul who is a missionary an apostle of jesus christ and paul is a church planter and so paul has been going throughout what we would know as modern-day turkey and uh and then into europe and paul has been helping plant new churches start new churches And one of these new churches is in a city called Ephesus. And in each of these cities, uh, Paul would raise up elders, and then he would leave and go to another city and start another church. And so at the city of Ephesus, there's a young man by the name of Timothy. We don't know exactly how old Timothy was. Some scholars think he was maybe around the age of 18 or 19. And so Timothy... Is, is one of the elders, the lead pastor of this church plant in Ephesus. And so he has been mentored by Paul. And so Paul continues to write Timothy letters, encouraging him, instructing him as he leads the church. And so uh, this then is one of those letters that Paul is writing to a young pastor, to Timothy, to encourage him. And so uh, these, are, these are things that Paul knows that a young, a young uh, leader needs to know to lead and work and serve in the church. And so that's where we pick up in verse 14, chapter 3. And Paul writes this, but as for you, meaning Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. For all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we uh, we do thank you for your word, and Lord, we do believe it's alive. We believe it's true. We believe it has the power to transform lives. And as we spend just these next few moments just uh, learning about the word from the word, we uh, would be quick to confess that in our own intelligence, in our own mind, Lord, we can't understand the things of God. As a Holy Spirit, would you come and open our minds and give us understanding of your word? Holy Spirit, we don't simply want to be uh, learners of your word, but we want to be doers. And so we pray you would soften our hearts, that we would be transformed and changed by your word. And so for these next few moments, would you speak to us, your people, through your word, we humbly ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the Apostle Paul uh, outlines for Timothy um, the importance, the value Uh, Of the Word of God and and, and the place it has in the life of a believer. And so we're just gonna see three simple truths about the Word of God uh, and why God's given it to us. So uh, here we go. Number one, uh, we see this that God has given us the Bible for the salvation of the sinner. God has given us the Bible for the salvation of the sinner. Look what he says there in verse 15. He says, And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He he says, uh, Timothy, be reminded that God has given us the Bible, that we might know how to be saved that we might know how to be transformed from darkness to light, that we might know how to be transformed from death to life, that we might be saved by grace through faith. And so he says, the the holy scriptures, which are able, they're capable, they have the power to make you wise for what? For salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The, The reality is this. We would know nothing of God's plan of salvation outside of this book. Right. Uh, In fact, the Bible tells us that there is enough in creation to condemn us, but not enough to save us. And so Paul would say in Romans chapter one, Paul speaks of the conscience and he says that that all of us have, have been given a conscience that that condemns us. Uh, the, the, the psalmist will write about nature and, and, uh, and how we see God's glory in creation. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 1 again, that, that we can see something of God in his creation, and yet it is not enough to save us. It's the general revealing of who God is. But the specific revealing of who God is is only found in this book. It's only found in this book. Uh, put it this way, I can go and stand on the seashore and watch the sun set, And I can know that there's someone or something bigger out there than me. But only this book will tell me who he is. Are you with me? Only this book will tell me who he is. And so he says, God has given us the Bible for the salvation of the sinner. It's to make us wise for salvation. How? Through faith in Jesus Christ. And so uh, how then does the Bible do that? Well, it does it in, uh, in two ways. First of all, the Bible convicts us of sin. The Bible convicts us of sin, and so Paul, sharing a bit of his own testimony, will say it this way in Romans, and Paul says in Romans 7, he says, I would not not have known what sin was had it not been for the law, for I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said you shall not covet, and so Paul's giving a, a glimpse of his own testimony, and so Paul says he would not have known sin apart from the word of God, which for him, he calls it the law, it would have been the Old Testament, right? And so Paul says, in the Old Testament, I, I realized uh, that I was a sinner. And then Paul gives, uh, appreciate his transparency, Paul gives an example. And Paul apparently struggled with coveting, as I imagine many of us do. It's, it's wanting what someone else has, right? Coveting is wanting what someone else has. Have you ever coveted before? Yeah, of course you have. Right? I, was, uh, I was sitting at a stoplight recently, and a brand-new Bentley pulled up beside me. And, uh, and I'm sitting in my Ford, which I'm very thankful for. And, uh, and, and, I, and, uh, and I looked at the guy beside me, and he's in this brand-new Bentley, and he does this. And I looked and went. Right? No, I didn't. I was like, what's up? Right? I was thinking, was he coveting my Ford? <laughs> Probably not. But I, you, know, you never know. I did drive away and think, wow, what's it like driving a Bentley, right? Listen, Paul apparently struggled with coveting. And so look what he says here. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. It's through the scripture that, that we're exposed to our own sinfulness, right? We're exposed to our own sinfulness. And, and Jesus takes it to a whole nother level, does he Not. Jesus takes it to a ridiculous hard level. And so Jesus will say this in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, you have heard it said, uh, do do not commit adultery. But I say, if you lust for a woman in your heart, you've already committed adultery. So I would wonder then how many of us have committed adultery in our heart. Jesus says, you have heard it said, do not murder. But I say, if you're angry with your brother in your heart, You have committed murder already. Now, I will confess, therefore, I stand before you an adulterous murderer. For I have lusted and been angry. Right? And and so it's through the book that we're convicted of sin. It's a bit like an x-ray. And it x-rays my heart. And it shows me what's in my heart. Now, the problem is what's in my heart isn't good. It's not good for me. It's not good for you. Right? Right? And so we have to do something about it. It's great if you go to, to the A and E and and you get your leg x rayed and they say, "Yep, we x rayed you. Your legs broke." Have a wonderful day, right? No, no, no. Once the problem is discovered, something has to be done about it. The problem has to be fixed. And so, uh, thankfully, then uh, the Bible, yep, the Bible reveals the way of salvation. And so it convicts us of sin, but but then it reveals the way of salvation. And so there are many examples. One would be in 1 Peter, which we studied uh, last year, says this. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring what? Word of God. Through the living and enduring Word of God. He says you've been born again, you've been saved and it's eternal. It's, it's not going to perish. It's not like milk. It, it doesn't go bad. He says your salvation is forever. And the way we came to this salvation was through the living and enduring word of God. And so uh, the scripture, therefore, is given to us for the salvation of the sinner. In it, I'm x-rayed, and I realize I am a sinner lost. And yet there is hope. My leg can be set. My leg can be healed. And he said, it's through what we learn. It's through the Jesus, the the living incarnate word of God that we meet in this word of God that we find salvation. And so the Bible has been given uh, for the salvation of the sinner. Can, Can I just say that the best thing we can do for those we love and know who don't know Jesus is share what's in the book. Amen is share what's in the book. For this book alone brings conviction, and this book alone points the way to salvation, full and free in Jesus Christ. And so the Bible was given to us for the salvation of the sinner, but secondly, we see this. The Bible was given to us for the sanctification of the saint. We see the Bible for the salvation of the sinner, but now we see the Bible for the sanctification of the saint. Now, sanctification is a fancy church word that simply means becoming more like Jesus. You're a Christian, right? Sanctification is for those who love and follow Jesus. And after we have become a Christian, our life then is committed to becoming more like him each day. And just like there was nothing we could do to save ourselves, we quickly realize there's nothing we can do to become more like Jesus. But God has to do the work in us and through us. And so uh, this is what then Paul says to Timothy. He says, and the scripture here as is, is he outlines, he says, for all scripture is breathed out. It's God breathed. In the Greek, it's theonoustos. It, it means literally it just comes out of God. He breathes it out, inspiration. All scriptures God breathe it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It says that this, is, this is what God's given us. This is the tool chest that God has given us. And in it, we have everything we need to become more like Jesus. In it, we have everything we need to, to love others, to help others in the word. And so it's given for the salvation of the sinner, but it's given for the sanctification of the saint, that you and I might be like Jesus. Uh, In in this kind of list of of words, and and most of them are pretty self-explanatory, but I like the one correcting. In the Greek, it literally means to stand something up straight, right? Uh, you, You think of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, right? Something that's just leaning And and it says that that the Bible has the the ability to take our lives and help us stand up straight. Uh, Sometimes we might be leaning towards greed. We might be leaning towards selfishness. We might be leaning towards gossip or leaning towards lust or leaning towards a grudge in our heart. And he says the Bible has the capacity and the ability by the Spirit through the Word to help us stand up straight. That's what the word correct there means. And so uh, God has given it for our sanctification. So uh, a couple of uh, a couple of quick things on that. So the Bible reveals how to live a godly life. The Bible reveals how to live a godly life. And so uh, again, Peter says this in his letter to Peter. He says his divine power, meaning Jesus. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises. I can remember the first time I read that verse as a new Christian. And I took such joy, and I still do, in the scripture. Because this is what he says. Don't miss it. He says, his divine power has given us everything. How much? everything we need for a godly life. How? Through our knowledge of him who called us. This is what he's saying. We have everything we need to live for Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit, and I'm speaking to believers. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. We have the word of God. That is everything we need to live for him. Now, uh, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I think, man, is there something else out there? Like, is, is there something else I need, Right? But he says, no, look here. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us. And how do we gain knowledge about Jesus? Through the word. We gain knowledge about Jesus through the word, right? This is is where God has revealed himself to us. Everything we know about Jesus comes from the book. And anyone someone says about Jesus has to therefore be filtered through the book. Uh, I, I was up one night, and uh, my tummy was kind of rumbly, and so I went downstairs and couldn't sleep, so I turned on TV, and, uh, and there was a movie on about Noah's Ark with, um, with uh, say again? Yes, with Russell Crowe. Anybody seen it? Yeah, don't. Um, <laughs> like, like... Uh, it did not help my stomach. Like, I was like, I feel sicker than I did when I started. Like, you know, and so there were like these rock monsters, and uh, right? Anybody seen it? They're like these rock monsters, come on, rock, rock monsters, and all these things. And so uh, I eventually went back to bed. The next morning at breakfast, I'm telling Christy and Kaylin Max about it. And they're like, Are you sure you didn't hallucinate that? Like, and I'm, I'm like, No, I'm telling you. And so I found it on YouTube and pulled it up, and they were like, those are rock monsters in note, right? So listen, I can, and I'm sure Russell Crowe's a, a lovely man, but, but I can safely say that that's not right. Why? Because it's not in the book, amen? And, and so this book then becomes the filter, right? You, you're going to leave here, and I, and I say this, I promise you with the deepest love and compassion but you're going to leave here, and if you walk towards co-op, they are going to be Jehovah's Witnesses standing there every Sunday who are going to want to give you information about Jesus. And, and, and I tell you, most of it does not line up with the book, so I can safely say it's not true. They're lovely people, and I've had wonderful conversations with them. But, but if it doesn't line up with the book, it's just not true. And, and so he says, uh, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. And the knowledge comes through the book. And so God reveals to you and I how to live a godly life. We also see this, that God brings blessings to the believer through the word. God brings blessings to the believer through the word. And Psalm 19, which is a wonderful psalm, says this. says, The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Isn't that beautiful? Now, we're going to try to read that together, and I think we can do it. Are we ready? We'll go slow. Here we go. One, two, three. The instructions of the Lord are perfect reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Amen, church? And that's, that's this book, right? This book has the, the capacity, the power to not only change us, but to bless us, and to make us into these people. And I don't know if you've need uh, if you've needed revival recently, but it'll come through the Word. I don't know if you've needed wisdom recently, but it comes from the Word. I don't know if your life needs joy, but it comes from the Word. And maybe you just need insight into living. It comes from the Word. It comes from the Word. Uh, we've. Uh, I will. Confess, it's been a a challenging season at the Dubnick household, um, just with with now both of our kids being gone, and my mom has dementia, and she's in a care home, and it's not easy being 4,000 miles away right now. And um, I'll just confess, a lot of mornings in the last couple months, I haven't woken up with joy, I haven't woken up feeling revived, but I go to the Word. Go to the Word. And I I, I heard John Piper say many years ago, he said, when you don't feel like reading your Bible, read the Psalms. And a lot of these mornings I've woke up and and I haven't felt like reading my Bible. I'll just be honest. So I've read the Psalms. I've read the Psalms. And some mornings I've just pushed through it. And other mornings I've just stopped and wept as I've read the Psalms. And, And I've come away, and can I tell you what? I come away and my mom still has dementia, and it doesn't remember my family. My kids are still far away, but my soul is revived. My joy is returned because our joy is found in the Lord. Amen? And we experience him in the book. We experience him in the book. And so it's, it's given for the, the salvation of the sinner, but it's given for the sanctification of the saint. God's word is given to bless us. And so may we find it that we might be revived, that we might be made wise, that we may find joy. It's very interesting, by the way. The world is looking for all those things in other places. Is that true? The world is looking for joy. And no one can find it. It's like chasing steam. You hold it one moment and it's gone the next. And and go to Broad Street on a Saturday night and you see the world chasing joy. There's nothing there to hold. The the world is chasing wisdom. The, The world is chasing these things. And all of it is found in the word of God. Amen, church? And we believe that. And and so uh, we see the Bible is given for the salvation of the sinner, the sanctification of the saint. But lastly, we see this. The Bible is given for the glorification of Jesus. The Bible is given. So it's given for salvation. It's given for sanctification. But lastly, it's given for glorification. The glorification of Jesus. This just simply means uh, exalting Jesus, lifting up Jesus, making much of Jesus, and giving him all the praise and worship that he alone is worthy that he is due of and so it's given for the glorification of the savior look what he says here in verse going back to verse 15 he says these holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus to make you wise for salvation through how through faith through Christ Jesus through Christ Jesus And so uh, this is what we know. And Jesus says it this way in John chapter five. He says, "You search the scriptures." Now, uh, here's the context. Here's the context for John chapter five. Jesus is uh, is speaking to the Pharisees, and uh, and as always, they're trying to trip him up. They're trying to trick him. So the Pharisees were like the like uh, super religious, hypocritical folks of the day, and they've come to Jesus and they're trying to trick him. So they ask him some questions. And this is what Jesus says. He says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. That's a a powerful statement. This would have floored them. Like this, they, I mean, honest to goodness, like I don't think that we can comprehend the impact this had. Jesus says, look, you're you're looking through the Old Testament and you're just trying to keep rules and regulations thinking that will save you. He says, but actually what you miss is all of the scriptures point to me spoken by the the son of a carpenter from Galilee, a country boy, the son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, amen? And he says the scriptures point to, To me, if you continue in John chapter 5, he then gives an example. And he says, you read all about Moses. He says, but Moses wrote about me. He says, you study Moses. Moses was pointing to me. Oddly enough, at the Mount of Transfiguration, who is Jesus speaking with? Moses and Elijah. Because everything they wrote, they wrote about him. Right? And so Jesus says, all of Scripture is about me. So uh, the first place that Jesus is mentioned, I believe, in the Bible then would be Genesis 1, uh, 26. So in Genesis 1.26, uh, as, as we're getting the account of creation, the Bible says that God says, Let us make man in our own image. Let us make man in our own image. There's reference right there from the very beginning to God existing in Trinity. Jesus has always existed. The Holy Spirit has always existed. God the Father has always existed. And so he says, Let us make man in our own image. Uh, you get to chapter 3, verse 15. Uh, Adam and Eve have disobeyed the Lord. They've eaten the forbidden fruit. And now God is, uh, is speaking judgment on each one of them. And he comes to Lucifer, he comes to the serpent. And he says, now you're going to have to crawl on your belly and eat the dust of the ground. But then he says, a day is coming that there will be a man born from Eve, uh, from, from humanity. A man is coming. And he says this. He says, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. And on Easter morning, the head of the enemy was crushed. Amen, church. And so the first gospel is in Genesis chapter 3. It's the first pointing of the gospel. Now, you go to the very back of the book and you get to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 3. In Revelation chapter 22, it's all been said and done. There's a new heaven and a new earth and you get to the last chapter of the Bible and it says there are two thrones and there are two who are sitting on the thrones. There are God the Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. To understand the Psalms, you have to know Jesus. To understand Leviticus, you have to know Jesus. To understand uh, Obadiah, read him, amen? Read him, amen. amen? You're going to meet him in heaven, you're going to be embarrassed. He's going, right? To understand the book, Jesus is the filter, right? It's all for his glory. It's all for his glory. And so, uh, as we commit this year to being people of the Word, let us not forget that the Bible shows us salvation for the sinner. It shows us how those who don't know Jesus, how they can come to Him. It gives us sanctification for the saint. Through the Word, we're changed and transformed, right? But then it's given for the glorification of Jesus. It's hard to, to spend time in this book. And come away, not loving Jesus more, not loving Jesus more. So, um, some some simple, helpful hints then, and and uh, and and I want to encourage you to to take up the offer you'll have with Shane to come and uh, and and maybe maybe you you have a way of studying the Bible, maybe you just want to learn a new tool. It's a great opportunity. Um, but but just to send you home with an idea of of what that uh, could look like. Uh, if if you're not used to reading the Bible, so uh, for those of you who know me, you know I, I did not grow up in church, didn't grow up in a Christian home, we never owned a Bible, and so uh, after I became a Christian, uh, right before university, uh, the Bible I found really intimidating. Like I just kind of thought the Bible was for like really like, you know, vicars and like really spiritual people. And it, I was just like from a working class family with drugs and alcohol, and I just thought it's probably not for me. and I found the Bible really intimidating and uh, and I was very blessed to have a godly man come alongside me and teach me and uh, And I quickly realized that the Bible is not intimidating at all. Now there are bits of it that 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 are challenging and bits of it, that are difficult, but but through the Holy Spirit living in us as Christians and through the Word, man, it, it, God speaks to us, His people. And so here are just some things I would recommend. Um, uh, I always think it's helpful to read through a book of the Bible. I'll confess, when I first became a Christian and I didn't know what I was doing, I would wake up in the morning and I knew I was supposed to read my Bible and I would just go, Lord, give me something good. <laughs> And I honestly, and I would stop. So if that was the case, here's what I just landed on. Um, their inheritance w- were assigned by a lot to the nine and a half tribes. All right, Lord, I don't know what that means, but right, that's, that's how I would do it. Uh, and I learned, right, there's probably a better way, probably a better way. And so pick a book. And so, for example, the book of Jonah. Really, the book of Jonah is, is brilliant. It's a really, really good book. Um, it's an action And there's intrigue, and there's disobedience, and there's, you know, stuff on the ocean. Like, there's a lot. Jonah's a great book, okay? I'd recommend it, right? So you just say, I'm going to read the book of Jonah, and it's only four chapters, right? It's only four chapters. I can do that, right? Okay, so here's the next thing I want to do. I want to get some background information. And so we live in a day where there's wonderful resources to do that. So the Bible Project, for example. So you can go to, to their YouTube channel or go to their website. Just type in the Bible Project. We use their stuff here at Oikos. We've been using it for years. And they'll have a series of videos on every book in the Old Testament, every book in the New Testament. So every year when I read through the Bible, I'll always start. When I start a new book, I'll go watch the Bible Project video. So you would go and watch the video on Jonah, Right? And uh, you watch it, those videos are usually about nine minutes, okay, just nine minutes. And you watch the video, and it's going to give you a wonderful overview, and you're like, oh, okay, so that's what Jonah's about. So when you start reading it, you have some context, you know what it's about, all right? And then um, use a tool as you read through, and there's loads out there. So one we've used here at Oikos before is one we call Specca. and apologies, I meant to print that tool out, but I can get that to you, I may have them for next week. All right, And so it's really easy. And so it's just you look at a passage of Scripture and you ask some questions. And so those stand for the S is sin. Is there a sin to confess? The P stands for promise. Is there a promise to claim? E, is there an example to follow? C, is there a command to obey? K, is there a knowledge to learn? And A, what is the application? And so I have, uh, I have these printed out. And, uh, and so when I read Jonah chapter 1, I'm just going to fill that out. Or, okay, what are some sins here in Jonah chapter 1? And I'm, I'm filling that out. Are there any promises here? And I'm filling that out. Our, uh, our daughter Kayla, uh, a couple months ago, she called and said, Hey, Dad, I want to start a Bible study with my friends. And what do you recommend? And she said, I want to do, do that Spica thing that you uh, taught us growing up. And, uh, and so this is what she does with her friends every week. She's got a group of about 10 or 15 now she's studying the Bible with, and they just go through Spica just learning from the scripture. Um, Pray for the Holy Spirit's help. Uh, Every morning when I go to read my Bible, the first thing I do is pray and just say, Lord, you wrote this book and you live in my heart. Would you help me understand what I'm about to read, right? The best person to ask what it means is the person who wrote it, and that's Jesus, amen? And so always pray, Lord, would you show me what I'm reading? And then lastly, keep a journal keep a journal. Write down what God teaches you. Write down what God shows you. Um, I brought with me here to England when we moved back in the day. My journal uh, goes back to when I got saved when I was 17. And it's good to go back and read what God was doing in my life through the scripture. So so write down what he does. So it's, it's just a simple plan that I use. Uh, there are loads of different things out there, but just encourage you, read through a book, do some pre-work, know what it's all about, always pray, ask for the Lord's help, and then engage with it, write down what the Lord is teaching you, amen? And I promise you, as, uh, as you do it, you'll be changed and transformed. So uh, what do you do when you don't feel like doing it? That's usually an indicator that you really need to do it, amen? And I, I, would, I would take up John Piper's advice, when you just can't open Jonah, go to the Psalms, And spend time with the Lord. Go back to the 23rd Psalm. Just go back to something familiar, something sweet from the Lord. And ask him to do a new work in your heart and life. Amen, church? Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for the Bible. We don't worship the Bible, but we worship you, God, and you're the God who wrote the Bible. Thank you for giving us this book. Thank you that it uh, is infallible, inerrant, that we can completely trust what you tell us. Lord, we know uh, more and more we live in a culture, we live in a world that's telling us everything opposite to this book. And so, Lord, it's going to take courage to stand on the book. It's going to take faith to believe the book. And so, Lord, would you give us courage? Would you give us faith? And, Lord, would you give us a new revived passion to spend time in your word? And, Lord, we believe as we do it. That will be transformed, will be changed to the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we do it for all for His glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.